Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Corner of Gray Street podcast. And boy, do we have a good one for you guys this week. I'm Bruce, and I'm joined by, well, not just Nolan, but hey, Nolan. Hey, Bruce. I am so excited about this week's episode. We have the exclusive with some pillars of the DMB community. Oh, yeah. And we just, I mean, let's just go ahead and, and get into it. We have the DMB Almanac crew in the house tonight. Welcome, gentlemen. We have with us, we have Dan and Rob. They are holding it down. What's up? Hey, hey, hey. Hey. Nice to talk to you. Thanks. Good to be on here, guys. Absolutely. And thanks to us. No, thanks to you guys for taking the time uh, to join us and to be able to bless us with a lot of knowledge that we've been uh, we've been craving. We've been wanting to know about how this glorious website came to be. But first, we must cheers. Nolan, what beer are you drinking tonight? Yes, maybe the best part of our show where we promote beers uh, to breweries in hopes that they'll send <laughs> us free ones. Uh, I am drinking a Bill's Brewing Company Blueberry Shakes Milkshake IPA. And it's uh, it is pretty good. A little alarming. Um, I just looked in, and it's it's actually kind of blue and and pink. Uh, I don't know what that's about. Probably the blueberries, but uh, it's pretty good. So, Bruce, how about you? Well, that does sound pretty good. Um, I've actually got a Trogues Brewing Perpetual IPA, and it is um, absolutely delicious. Seven and a half percent ABV, and it has. Just a plethora of hops, and it is absolutely incredible. You don't get trogues much down here, um, and I'm very, very pissed about that, but I'm very, very glad that I found this hiding in the back of the fridge. So uh, cheers to you, and cheers to our almanac guys. Uh, Mr. Daniel, Mr. Roberto, what are you guys drinking? Um, I'm working on a Hardywood Capital Trail Pale Ale. Um, Ooh which is delicious. It's a, uh, it's a beer that I drink in the river every summer, uh, just floating in the middle of the James river. And so I call it my river beer and I'm longing for river days right now. And so, uh, this is, this is the next best thing drinking it at home. Speaking of troves, um, I've got a mad elf chilling in the fridge for a little bit later if we uh, get that far. So I'm excited for that too. And I'm going with the personal fave, Magic Hat number nine, uh, Pale Ale. It's got a good hint of apricot to it. And my bottle cap message is have another spelled backwards. <laughs> <laughs> well, fantastic. And maybe we will have enough time uh, for you guys to drink another. It just depends on how many, I guess, questions that we have for you. And, well, it's going to be a lot. And Nolan, I mean... We might as well just kick on into it because I think everyone's dying to know. Let's do it. Everything about these guys and about this website. Oh, yeah. I mean, first off, we have been going to dmbalmanac.com for the entire time we've been fans and use it for literally every episode on the podcast. So, one, we can't thank you guys enough for what you do. Um, but we want to jump into a little bit of your backstory first and find out how you first got into the band and uh, what that was like for you. I'll get started just because um, chronologically. 
Um, so I, you know, I heard a little bit on the radio, didn't really connect with me all that much. Um, and then it was actually in October of 97, uh, I was driving around. It was actually the day that John Denver died. And I was driving around listening to uh, various John Denver CDs. And it was uh, an evening with John Denver, which is, you know, been what I've been listening to since, you know, I was six years old. And finally, it was time to just kind of, you know, call today and go home. Um, it was a, just a beautiful day, top down, was kind of happy, just celebrating. And But it, when it was time to stop listening and I turned off uh, my CD and actually Satellite was on the radio like right then and there. And it was just exactly what I needed, right? Like at that at that point in time, you know, it's it's funny to look back. It's not necessarily one of my favorite songs, though I always kind of appreciate its place, but stopped on the drive home and bought Under the Table and Dreaming and slowly got into it right around then. Um, I've always kind of been a fan of listening to concerts uh, of the bands that I liked, like whether it was uh, Led Zeppelin or some of the other bands, like just collecting various concerts. And that was like right when Live at Red Rocks ended up coming out maybe a week later. And I was just starting to get into the band and bought live at Red Rocks, and then just this thirst for listening to the live music when I started to realize that um, how different things were, especially lyrics. Uh, I connected with um, the song Say Goodbye right away and realized that there were different lyrics to the song like every time he played it, um, especially back in 97. You know, we're going to talk about one later. And just became kind of obsessed with collecting different versions of that song and listening to all of the different changes that he would make. And, you know, it happens song by song. I, I think I think that's a common story where you get used to his voice a little bit, especially back then when it's very different from anything else that you were hearing and the style is different. And then one day you listen to three songs and one day you listen to four songs and it all just kind of picked up. And I think uh, the way that I was collecting live stuff um, just to listen to different things really played into how it became an obsession to start tracking set lists and tracking shows that I had and songs that I had live versions of, songs that I didn't have live versions of. I accidentally picked up um, a Dave and Tim show. I had no idea what Dave and Tim was. I just saw this show with like 30 songs on it and listened to it and was initially disappointed. And, you know, that that show was live tracks 23 like the finale of the 96 tour how great is that show and i'm listening to that show before i've even heard all of the studio albums at that point so it was always kind of about the live thing for me and it just you know grew from there if you like live stuff they're a very easy band to follow because of that because it's always something to keep you interested in guessing that's awesome all right so i guess it's my turn um so let's see for me uh, i've got two older brothers who are significantly older than I am. Um, and one of them, uh, let's see, he's about seven years older than me. Uh, when he was in high school and I was in, I don't know, fifth grade, maybe, uh, he used to drive me to school sometimes. And, and he was always listening to either the crash album or red rocks. So this would have been probably 97, I guess. Um, and I just fell in love with two step and lion our graves and uh, there was one other song on Crash uh, that I just loved. Um, and of course, can't remember what it is now that I'm speaking about it. Um, and 
the first album that I bought on my own, actually two albums, one was uh, Master of Puppets and the other same day, same purchase was Crash. So those were my first two album purchases. And so that was probably, like I said, 97, 98. I don't remember if Before These Crowded Streets was already out or not. Um, the first album that I actually bought on release day, so this kind of tells me this is when I was, you know, I was hardcore at this point, was listener supported. So that would have been late 99. Um, and uh, I just fell in love. It, it's funny that Rob was talking about how the Say Goodbye changing lyrics are what really grabbed him. Uh, for me, it was Gray Street. So it would have been obviously about a year later. Um, obviously, Gray Street used to change drastically every single night. And I uh, eventually, after a few years, took it upon myself to get every Gray Street, just like Rob got every Say Goodbye, and transcribe all the lyrics for it and uh, send them in to these guys. This was before I had anything to do with the site. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much my story. That's awesome. Uh, both of you guys is detailed. I love it. Um, with you know, sort of similar stories, sort of not. I just, I just love hearing stories of how people became fans and everything. And then my next question would be, you know, what, this is like one of my favorite questions first show. And what were some of the standout moments from that show? And was this like the thing that grabbed you the most and pulled you in to the point of no return? I actually didn't go to my first show until maybe a year afterwards. So if we were talking like October of 97, my first show that I went to was Rep Arena in fall of 98. I think that there are worst first songs that you've ever seen live than uh, The Last Stop with Tim Reynolds <laughs> and Bella Fleck. That was the opener of my first show. Oh, um, you know, I was and I was starting to get that song. Like that song just took me a little while. Like it was one of those things for when I was starting to pay attention to set lists, but you know, you couldn't you couldn't really access recordings. Like you had it took forever. And then there were maybe only like a handful of shows that you had real access to unless you were you knew a lot of people. Um, so I was just starting to get into it and like so Back to back, my first two songs are The Last Stop and Lie in Our Graves on that fall tour. And oh, the yeah. next night, <laughs> Game my over. second show. <laughs> yeah, my second show is at the Crown with the Spoon 41 Encore. Like, I, like, And my third show is live in Chicago. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, it was weird because <laughs> I, didn't, I wasn't really, I didn't really go to that many concerts beforehand. And just right away, when tickets for the tour went on sale, I bought, you know, Rupp Arena, The Crown, and Live in Chicago. And yeah, absolutely done at that point, right? Like Rob, how old were you at that point, Rob, if you don't mind my asking? No, so I was probably, I was 24. Yeah. All right, well, this uh, this interview's over. I'm, I'm done with this. This is just that's, not that's fair incredible. at all. incredible. I mean... <laughs> yeah, oh and so, God. like, right then you sign up for the warehouse, like, right as I'm becoming a fan, like... So right after then is when they started taking warehouse sign up. So obviously I was a first day member. And so I went hard in 99 and they were doing seniority for every single night. So all of a sudden I'm going from like my seats weren't great fall 98 to literally being in the first three rows of every show that I went to for four years. And it's just, I mean, like, what are you going to do at that point? You're just locked in. <laughs> Jeez. 
Well, good luck topping that, and let's hear it. Let's hear it from you. <laughs> <laughs> My first show was uh, RFK Stadium 2000, um, which was the show where it poured down rain the entire time, and uh, Dave integrated that into the lyrics of a lot of songs, uh, Gray Street in particular, um, but also Long Black Veil, believe it or not. Um, and then, of course, they played Stay, which has the It Began to Rain line, and the crowd went wild for that, the two-step intro. Um, so, like I said a minute ago, with Gray Street's changing lyrics, and changing lyrics in general being something that I was really into with the band, uh, that was a great first show. Um, they opened with JTR. The first song I saw the band ever play oh. live was JTR. Um, the first so, time it was ever played as an opener, too. Yeah, and, and uh, there's a note we have on the show page on the Almanac. Uh, it's the first time an unreleased song had been played as an opener since Too Much opened a show before Crash came out. I don't remember the specific date. Um, 12-27-95. There you go. Was that off the top of your head, Rob? No. <laughs> um, I, I've thought we need to go through and, and see if that's happened again. I assume it has, but I don't know that we have any notes about it. So maybe that's that's some homework for tonight. Um, but yeah, that was a fantastic show. I was 15 at the time, so I wasn't able to, to do three shows in a year. I, I didn't actually do more than one in a year until I was in college. Um, but I remember my mom drove me and my brother, or did my brother drive us? I don't remember. Uh, the two of us went, uh, drove up to D.C. We live in Richmond. I uh, drove up to D.C. and uh, took the metro in. We lucked out because, again, it was an absolute torrential downpour from the first note to the last note of that show. And we were so far away from the stage that we were actually covered by that little teeny tiny awning that they have on row, you know, double X or whatever it is. Um, but man, that, that was, I don't know that I'm ever going to top that show. And I don't think it's just because it was my first show, but I'm sure that, you know, gives me a little bit of uh we call it primacy bias but still uh, that was a fantastic show you didn't even talk about ben harper's scorching watchtower solo yeah because i I mean there's just there's so many highlights (laughs) of that show i almost forgot the jtr opener there for a second i know jtr with the ladies even even that Mm. that long black veil you know as as tired as a lot of people get of the lovely ladies that's such a unique version of it but it's also one of those ones that you had to see listening to it it's like okay he's playing the intro lick for like five minutes but what you don't see obviously when you're listening to the recording is there was a crew member literally climbing up the rafters on the side of the stage because so much rain was pulling up in the um the awning over the band and he he climbed up the left side first stage right banged on the awning so that all the rain came down pouring to the front of the stage and then he climbed down and then he climbed back up the right side of the stage stage left did the same thing over there and so dave says something like uh you know it, it and it rained and it rained he's singing in the intro to long black veil and uh it just it it's it was surreal seeing that happen uh you know it, it makes me wonder looking at all the shows that were delayed or canceled in in the last couple of years because of storms. It makes me wonder if this had happened last year, if they would have just canceled the show or uh, (laughs) done a set break impromptu like they did a couple times last year. But I don't know. I know we've all become so soft. 
Yeah. Well, between the four of us, uh, three of us have seen Before These Crowded Street Songs open our first show with mine being The Stone and Don't Drink the Water for Bruce. And uh, that's it's pretty solid right there. And I, I just don't know if you could get more four tr- people together that have better, four better <laughs> and all different openers that would compete with yeah. what us for what were uh, i'm sure you've said this on here before but what were y'all y'all uh first shows yeah mine was 2004 in raleigh and bruce was the next year 05 in raleigh all right nice yeah much much later on um but we were we were still fans we just happened to be young (laughs) we weren't quite allowed (laughs) to go out to the concerts yet but um it is what it is we can still we can still go back and listen to the shows thank god but how many shows yeah. total for you guys? I got to go over to the Almanac for this. Yeah, I just got my 2019 shows added in. I am at 123. Nice. Oh. I'm at 63. But that includes um, like Dave guesting with Brandy Carlisle opening at Alpine and, and 12. When you take out the couple of shows like that that really don't, count it's probably more like i don't know 61 60 something like that good enough sweet sweet uh, well i would i would hope your show total would be that high after seeing uh such incredible first shows like that so you're blown away by the band but what was it that led you to create the almanac how did you meet and i mean if you could just give us a, a brief history of how this all came together there's more than just us, um, more than just Dan and myself. Uh, so I, I kind of started doing this because I organized my life in Microsoft Excel, which is funny because all the Excel files, they're all in a disorganized folders, but the files themselves, they're very clean once you open them. So I was kind of tracking all of these set lists in Excel um, just because that's the way that I like to do things. And uh, eventually I just wanted to teach myself, um, like web page, like web page publishing. And my friend, Nate Tilton, uh, owned a site, justdmb.com, which that web address is in the ring of our logo. Like if, if it's high res enough that you can see it. And so he was doing, uh, graphics, like lots of different, um, you know, not just fire dancer graphics, but lots of cover art and stuff. And I was just like, hey, you mind if I use your site and just start to um, learn how to create web pages? So I was doing it in front page and it was all manual and it was brutal. Like, I know that there are better ways to do this. I just didn't know how to do them. So I just wanted to do what I would like from a website. And so whatever I was tracking in my Excel's, I started doing by hand web page by web page on the just DMB site. Like after a concert happened, it would take me two hours to add all this stuff. Cause I wasn't doing it from a database. It was just insert row manually do links. And I don't know. It actually, it, it got a little bit of a following, not a lot. Like I remember it being in one newsletter and I don't know how many people would go to it per week, maybe a hundred or so, but our friends went to it and I liked to use it. So that was fine for me. And, uh, I went to the gorge in 2001 and one of my friends, Matias Nino is a programmer. And just after the second night in the gorge, 
um, just sitting by the fire, we just started to talk about this. And he's like, you should really do something like this. And I said, well, I can't do that. So if you want to do that, then please feel free. And he just said, send me your Excel files. I'll see what I can do. So I got back and I had an Excel file for each tour and just emailed them all to him and maybe didn't really hear anything else. And then maybe about a week before uh, the tour opener of spring 2002 in DC, he gave me a webpage to go to. And all of a sudden there was my data in this blue and black and orange uh, website that I just, I couldn't even believe it. Like I had no idea it was even really happening. Um, but every now and then he would ask me for some more information or some more data. So I knew something was happening, but I wasn't expecting anything at all like this. Um, so he really kind of took control over the actual creation of the website. And I was uh, doing the data entry, really. And, you know, we talked about um, what we wanted out of the site. And I think when we sat down, the first thing is that we wanted no ads. Like we wanted to do this kind of grassroots, like start from the bottom. And we were both, we were both kind of poor too. So it was tempting, but at the same point in time, we were just thinking, look, if people are going to gradually start going to this, that sounds like a future problem to deal with. Um, so it started to catch on a little bit. I would say when the site really caught on was for Dave and Tim 2003. They did not have the uh, they did not have the live set list for Dave and Tim 2003. So no one could follow along. And it started like very early days of texting or we would like have someone at each show that would call us right afterward. So we were really the first set list that would go up for Dave and Tim. And all of a sudden the site took off, but the bills took off as well because we had no idea like what was actually going to happen with the traffic. Um, so I think that that was one of the big things that really helped us out. Um, then we added a few more few more members over the years uh like for instance like andy andy bowman is a friend of ours who is really into the stats and really into the details who was helping me with a lot of the data entry and the notes and coming up with the first time this has happened the first time that he would track all of that um we had henry hart who helped work on the site as well doing again some of some of the ideas and one of the things that henry did was Henry was the one who chased down the Minarets mailing list archive. Um, in case anyone doesn't know what the Minarets mailing archive was, was that it was the first real group of DMB fans on the internet. It was even before the news group, like the alt music, Dave Matthews news group. And it was based out of, or is it, I think New Hampshire, maybe? No, it was from UVM, um, Vermont. Okay. So yeah, based, based out of University of Vermont that was hosted there. And Henry just kept emailing them like once every once a month, he would email them because there are a couple a couple newsletters that were still extant from then. And it was just like, man, you know, everybody is guessing at a lot of these early shows. If we don't have recordings of them, we've got nothing really at this point in time. So he kept hammering them. And eventually, like one of their technology professors is like, look, I've got some interns. I need to teach them some things for recovering data. So 
we'll go ahead and see what we can do. I'll put them in charge of recovering this entire mailing list. So eventually, like we just got sent these massive text files of every email that was ever sent from the Minarets list from like mid, it was like the middle of 93 or near the end of 93 up until, um, you know, the spring of 95, which was just treasure trove of information at that point in time. Um, some other people that are, that were a key to us as well. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll leave Dan's story for Dan, but, you know, especially as we've gotten older, it's been harder to main, like, create new features and other stuff like that. So we've had some other friends with some programming chops uh, join in. Jay Lankford is one who's done uh, a lot of really cool stuff for us, especially with the bands, like the breakdown of what's Dave and Tim, the Dave, uh, the Dave stuff, the Dave and Friends stuff. Um, Chris Drews has done a lot of work for us there as well. Um, it's worked on a lot of the My Almanac. Uh, Bob Hag has done a lot as well and actually kind of helped fund the whole My Almanac thing in the spring of 2009. So, you know, that's kind of the general story of the site going just from those hand pages. Like, I can't even believe what it took to do it back then. And I'll let Dan kind of talk about um, his his entry into the site as well. Uh, so before I do, speaking of the, the Minarets archive, um, something that we haven't gotten posted yet, but will be there soon is someone and uh, forgive me, whoever you are, I don't remember your name and I, I don't want to you know, pause myself to look it up right now, but someone got in touch with us on Twitter asking if uh, he could get a copy of that raw text file of the Minarets archive and run a script on it so that it would put it all in HTML because over the past, I don't know, 10, 12 years, I've been slowly going and hand coding the, the Minarets archive text file into HTML that's readable. And we've got a link to that, but I stopped it like, uh, I don't know, sometime in early 95 when the thing just blew up and it's probably been, I don't know, five, six, seven years since I've done anything with it. So this guy in about five seconds took the whole thing and turned it into HTML and sent it to me. So uh, as soon as I get that to Matthias to post, the entire thing will be up there, um, which is going to add about, I don't know, maybe a good four months to it to the end there, which is pretty exciting. I haven't even read through it myself yet. So be on the lookout for that. Um, as far as how I got involved with the site, uh, I, I remember specifically when I was in college, this was probably, I don't know, 2005, six, maybe, um, uh, there was, I was going through listening to shows and I was listening to the Latin Chicago show and, uh, Maceo Parker teases the, uh, Carol of the Bells song during, uh, what is it? What would you say that he guests on? Um, and so I sent a, a submission into the site that said, Hey, Maceo Parker does uh, Carol of the Bells interpolation on what would you say on 12, 1998. And, I don't know, a couple weeks later, it still wasn't on the site. So I said, hey, guys, Michio Parker does uh, What Would You Say interpolation on 12-19-98. And a couple weeks later, it still wasn't on the site. So I sent another email that said the same thing. And uh, I think they probably just got tired of me sending that same email over and over again because uh, I got an email from them saying, here's a login for the site. Let us know a time when it would be good for you uh, to have us show you how to add stuff to the site. So... <laughs> I got a login to uh, to start doing stuff like that, adding adding little show notes, uh, 
and song times. By that time, I had pretty much gotten through most of my Gray Street lyrics, if not all of them. So I added all of those. Um, and uh, being about, I don't know, five, ten years younger than most of the other guys on the site, they were all a little farther along in their adult lives than I was at the time, uh, you know, having kids, getting married. Um, so I tended to have a little more free time to just go through and, and do song times for every single show from a tour um, or go through and add random notes or go through the before I graduated from Virginia Tech, uh, I went spent a night at their library. Uh, going through their old microfish backups of the Collegiate Times and finding ads from from old shows that we didn't know about. Dude, you're leaving out a key point. It may What's have started. It may have started with the Maceo Parker, but you were <laughs> sending like eight things a day. <laughs> I mean, literally, he's sending eight things a day for like two months, and it's me and Matthias <laughs> at that point in time, and I'm doing the data entry. And I just couldn't take it anymore, and I was just like. <laughs> I was like, T, I'm giving him a login. Like, I can't do it. Like, he, he knows the site. He's he's responsible. Like, let's just do it. And was very, very happy about it, for sure. <laughs> well, I, I thank you still. Um, I, I've, I've really enjoyed over the years. Just uh, I love being able to get in and uh, just do little minutia that most people probably don't even care about. But I think... Um, a lot of people do and, and find fascinating. Um, it, it's been a real joy to just be a part of this and uh, contribute to it in some way, even if it's something that maybe one person notices. It's cool. Uh, even if it's just something that I notice, it, it's cool to be able to do and um, and contribute to. And that was the key. Like, we just want to do something that we as fans would like to use. Yeah. Make it as cross cross referenceable as possible. So you go there to look up one thing, and thirty minutes later you remember, oh yeah, wait, I was going to look up this because like the original <laughs> Wikipedia. Yeah, like you, you just get lost in a rabbit hole, and the, that was kind of it. Like, do what we want to do as fans, and try and have people get lost in the site. Yep. Yeah, which is you know that's awesome. Y'all have done such an incredible job of doing that, um, and you know another thing that y'all are great at is just keeping things updated but updated in a timely manner so like y'all seem to always be on top of you know either live set list updating or updating something as quickly as humanly possible you know what does that process look like for you guys you know whether it's updating live or whether you're uh scrounging for stuff that may kind of not be known in that live moment these days but you get it up there so quickly i feel like i was one of the the main people who was updating the set list live each night because you know, I wasn't married at the time, didn't have any kids at the time, and I uh, didn't really have much else to do on a show night other than just sit there and hit F5 on the uh, on the warehouse page over and over again. I actually, I installed a plugin to do that for me. But um, <laughs> so I, I would just update the set list from that um, and usually be on the message boards, either ANTS or TDC uh, or both, and see if people who were at the show were posting about you know, they just they just teased this or they just played this uh, intro or whatever. And I, I would post that as the show went. And then usually uh, whenever the tape came up, which in recent years has for the most part been, if not that night, the next day, uh, you know, forget the two week rule. 
Um, I would just go through the show and, and just real quickly skim through all the songs just to get the start and end time, do some quick math and put the song times up. Um, go through, you know, if I know that Crash is probably going to have a Dixie Chicken uh, outro to it, just verify that as I'm scrolling through it um, without actually you know, listening to the full show from start to end. Rob, what do you have to add? Uh, I will say that most of us uh, who are doing the set entry are East Coast. So yeah. <laughs> so we're pretty much on top of it for everything until <laughs> through, after through the break when it comes to West Coast. And then like, <laughs> if you notice that the show ends after two songs on our site, like we'll get to it. But yeah. Yeah. And that's the funny thing too, is when we do stop updating it live, um, I happen to go on the message boards. I see people saying, Hey, the almanac stopped updating. What happened to the show? Did they stop playing? <laughs> did, you know, did, did the site go down? It's like, no, just kid needed to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. No, real life. 45. That's what happened. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally understand that. But I mean, it's always been amazing to me to see how on top of it you guys are. And, uh, I mean, I know everybody appreciates it and we certainly do. Um, so what would you say is like the time commitment uh, with the Almanac from on maybe like a weekly basis? Like how much time do you spend? And we'll say during uh, during a tour, summer tour. During the, sh- you know, when the show, during the tour, there's generally somebody, one of us. Uh, we've got, we've actually gotten a lot better at not just assuming that Dan's going to get it. And if Hand of Dan, for some reason, has plans like a date night or something to make sure that someone has it covered. But that's just sitting and watching TV. I would say during the tour, I don't know, maybe maybe with outside of sitting there watching it, maybe 10 hours a week. For me, um, I, I really couldn't put a number on it, but I notice at least lately that during tours, I kind of go in spurts where. I might just do the songs for a couple of shows as the shows go, or maybe like Rob said, maybe I can't do it every night. Um, But then the song times, which I think is the thing that people really like to see on our site. That's kind of unique to our site. uh, The song times might kind of get on the back burner for a while because that takes more time and concentration than just entering the songs. Um, So I'll maybe do five or 10 shows worth of song times all in a go um, and then not do any more for a while. And then all of a sudden, if you go on the site, you'll see song times updating again. Um, so it kind of goes in, it, it kind of ebbs and flows a little bit in terms of time. Um, I would say, I don't know, maybe, maybe five hours a week on average. Yeah. Not too, not too, too bad, but still, I mean, that's a, you know, that's a hell of a commitment, especially, you know, having kids or, you know, just real life getting in the way. Um, and that's, uh, you know, that's a one hell of a commitment, but you know, it's paid off. It's a commitment, but you know, it's, yeah, it's a fun commitment. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like us rooting around on, you know, some of the message boards or whatever. I mean, us on the podcast, like we did it, you know, right, right. a couple of hours yeah. or whatever sometimes. Yeah. It's fun. But you know, it's like, it's paid off though, yeah. because yeah, oh, exactly. We wouldn't, none of us would be doing any of this if it wasn't fun. And fortunately, we were all attached to the site before any of us got married. So it was all kind of grandfathered in, right? <laughs> there you go. Yep, <laughs> Can't get yep. in trouble for that, right? Yep. Um, but, you know, obviously it seems that 
the band uh, management for sure uses your site quite often. You know, how's that feel for you guys? I mean, Stefan, he just um, tweeted out a photo of a list of shows from 91 from you guys' site. You know, just a screen grab. Yeah, he did. Earlier did he really? This I, didn't, so, I didn't even see that. You know, yeah. Wow. So, so I guess that's how it feels. Wow. is So how does that feel like that they seem to use utilize it all the time? Y'all have created this thing that they utilize often. Huh. And has anyone from the band or management ever reached out to you guys about the site or, you know, anything of that nature? No one from the band has. Um, we, there's been a little bit of interaction maybe on Twitter here and there about it, but not a whole lot. Um, I think some of the people who have worked from the worked for the band, um, worked in management, you know, we've had a little bit of communication um, from here and there. Uh, you know, I'm happy with anyone that we've ever talked to. Like, it's just, it's just kind of cool to talk shop, you know, every, every now and then, um, you know, people who can kind of geek out over the same things that we do. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that we are unaware of it. I think we started posting the liberation list to the front page, hoping that maybe someone who goes to the website would Notice some songs that haven't been Very played smart. in a really long time. I'm not going to say that anyone actually has looked at it, but love that. Um, I'm also not going to say that that wasn't one of the reasons why we put it there. Um, so, songs that haven't been played in over a thousand days. Uh, but yeah, no, it's yeah, it's been good. Um, I definitely it was when they came out with their uh, web page update that would have been. Oh, geez, I'm guessing it would have been the one that they did in 2000. 12 maybe to 2010 yeah i think it was 2010 that we were added to their external links which you know when when we were looking at the you know obviously they had individual band members web pages that were linked and you know the causes that they were supporting but um the only three sites fan sites that they had they had ants on there dmb brazil and us and you know that's just that's an amazing compliment, and we were we were really proud of that. It wasn't anything that we had asked for or advocated. It was just something that all of a sudden was there when they updated their page, and that that was super cool, no doubt. Uh, just to add to what Rob said, uh, we I remember at the Charlottesville shows in '09, um, which were the first shows, coincidentally that um, we had the My Almanac live for. Uh, or those weren't the first shows. Those are the first shows that I was at. Uh, there were, I think, two shows on that spring 09 tour before Charlottesville. Um, I remember sitting at that show. I had, wherever I was, I had an angle on Joe Lawler side stage where I could see his computer screen. And he had the almanac up the whole time. And that was so cool to me to see that. Um, That's awesome. And then... We've had people tell us, I haven't actually seen this firsthand, but we've had people tell us that uh, the Dave's vocal coach, Rob, uh, what's his last name, Stevenson, I think, um, he walks around the, the pavilion during shows and kind of interacts with fans a little bit. And he's got a tablet in yep. his hand and he usually has on his tablet our site with the lyrics to the songs that, that the song that's currently being played so that he can follow along and tell Dave when he messes up. <laughs> Wait, um, 
Do, do we have that missing verse of Gray Street in our site? Because is this our fault? <laughs> uh, we do, but I mean, maybe it is. I don't know, but it, maybe it's also our fault that it came back. Yes. Um, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so uh, so that's that's pretty cool. Um, our buddy Aaron Huff uh, talked to him at length one night about how he uses our site. And, uh, and that was pretty cool to hear just that you know, we're not an official site. We're not affiliated with the band at all. And yet they, they use the site for anything, much less uh, something that's, you know, directly connected to the band, like following along with the lyrics. That's pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, that's a super rewarding feeling, I'm sure. And we've seen Rob walking around with that iPad, looking up lyrics from the Almanac. And uh, I mean, that's been, that's been pretty cool to see. So we know that what he uses the Almanac for, uh, what do you think people, everyday people, mainly use the Almanac for? I'm guessing it's the live set list watching. Um, I know we use it for all kinds of stuff, but what do you think is the main use um, for people visiting your website? It definitely peaks during show times, um, for yeah. sure. You know, by tenfold, if not mm -hmm. more. Um, so I think that's probably the main purpose that people use their site is to check out what the band's playing. Um, which, you know, of course you can get that from dmband.com or, or, you know, the warehouse site, but you can also get it from our site and, and our site has some statistics that go along with it. Even in real time, when we don't know, any of the notes about the song, it at least will tell you when the song was last played or how many times it's been played on the tour so far, that kind of thing. Um, people who have my Almanac accounts, I think I, I've been near people at shows who I've overheard saying like, this is the first time I've seen them play full to think since 2012 or something like that. Um, so I, I think that's also something people kind of do. I, I hope they don't spend too much time on our site during shows, <laughs> but uh, I'll be the first to admit that I spend a good amount of time on our site during shows, unfortunately, because I, I feel this impulse to update something as quickly as possible that I know can't be done by somebody who's not at the show. I sat with Dan at one concert, and he kept telling me <laughs> all of these notes and all of these, like, uh, song times and the last time things were played and I was just like I'm just gonna watch like I just need to watch <laughs> I just need you to stop uh, no so <laughs> that was that was at uh, Deer Creek the night that uh, let you down open <laughs> so so you know I'm not lying <laughs> amazing I know you're not I lying. just you know I, I think that we um, like things like the song chat the song checklist where you can go and look at the tour and kind of look at how where every song was played at each of the tours to kind of that breakdown because there are other setlist websites that have a lot of the same information. So I think I, I think it's thing I think it's things like that. Like personally, that's awesome. I mean, there are so many obviously great features of the site. Um, you know, some of my favorite, I just like being able to hover over, you know, the little eye beside a show on the homepage, seeing the set list or over the date, um, you know, being able to show the sound checks without clicking into it. 
uh, searching for specific songs that are included in certain, you know, only in certain sets, like the time the stone dreaming tree and pig have been played. How many times have those been played in the same show? Um, you know, what is you guys favorite feature that you've added and are there any new features in the pipeline? Uh, I, I can talk about a, a, a small feature that that's in the pipeline because I'm pretty sure that it's definitely happening soon. <laughs> um, we, we don't usually like to talk about things that are, that are in the future because there's a really good chance that that might take a couple of years to happen. But um, something that I just suggested the other day was that, especially now that they're doing these weekly webcasts, we have live release info on the site where there's a little spinning CD icon that comes up on uh, on shows on the tour page that have been released. And if you go to a show uh, on the tour page, and if you go to a show page, there's a little spinning CD icon next to songs that have been released. And we don't consider webcasts to be kind of in the same vein as live releases, CD releases, uh, digital releases, whatever. Um, and right now, the only way that you can tell if a show was, was webcast is to go to the show page and read the write up at the top of it. And it'll say something, hopefully we haven't missed any, it'll say something at the top about the show was webcast on blah, 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 or the show broadcast on Sirius XM, blah, blah, blah. Um, so we're hoping soon that we'll have a little icon that comes up on shows that have been webcast or maybe broadcast over FM radio, whatever, uh, right next to that CD icon that tells you that this is a show that was broadcast in some way. And I don't know, maybe somebody recorded it and you can get a soundboard copy of it. Um, so hopefully that'll be a pretty cool feature that's coming up. Rob, you want to talk about your favorite feature while I think about? <laughs> yeah, that? I've got a couple um, outside of the, outside of something massive like the the My Almanac because I think I think that was a that was a big step. Um, and what I really liked about that as well is how um, and this was something that I think uh, Chris Drews did was integrating that into the actual show page set list. So when you log in, it doesn't just give you how many times this has been played at this venue, how many times on the tour. It's also how many times you've seen it. It adds a column. Um, and I think the song chart, like the song checklist, as we call it, or the song chart, that was a big one because that was something that I was doing by hand in Excel. And it was taking forever. It's just, I just really liked the look of it and how you could really get a sense for the tour and take in the most information with like, one pair of eyes and one web page as possible. And we spent a lot of time uh, working with Matthias to get right exactly how to have that created automatically. So it wasn't something that had to be done by hand. That, that was a big one for me. And when we added the poster slash ticket stubs, I thought that was pretty cool too. Um, that was something that we were kind of rushing to get done as all of you know, every show started having its own poster that we thought would be a really good reference point as well, but also not these massive pictures that would cause any sort of problems with like rights or file size or anything. So being able to click into that, um, looking at the original set list scan and being able to compare that to what was played just by clicking on it. I think those were big value add things because like we said, you could go to um, Amps, you could go to setlist.fm these days even, or, or the warehouse site. But I thought that these were things that 
really fit our site very well that we weren't just kind of forcing to happen. Uh, something Rob just said reminded me of this. The uh, the liberation list is the same way that the uh, the song charts used to be. I used to do that liberation list by hand every single time a song was liberated. Um, and I did it all in HTML on, on our site. Wow. And it was wow. such a pain in the ass to update every time. I, I remember at Creek one year, I was sitting next to our buddy Aaron and some song got liberated and, you know, I was excited that they were playing it, but I just said, damn it. Now I have to go through an update with them <laughs> when I get home. Um, thankfully, uh, Jay Langford, who has done all kinds of cool stuff for our website, he found a way to automate that, which was awesome because I haven't had to update that thing by hand in at least five years. I, I don't know how long it's been. My favorite feature of our site it isn't really a feature so much as a characteristic um, and that is our objectivity. Uh, one of the things that I really like about our site is that with maybe one or two exceptions over the years, our, our, we posted kind of a review of Live Tracks 10 that was less than glowing, but still wasn't bad. Um, for the most part, we don't do anything that gives an opinion about something. Uh, we don't have fan reviews on our site. We don't say, you know, like this was a great show tonight. You should check it out. Nothing like that. We just say, here's what happened at this show. It's been this many days since this song was played. It's been this many days since this song was played. Uh, our liberate, our liberation list has songs on it that a lot of fans probably would agree are not songs that we necessarily want to be liberated, but that doesn't matter. You know, that's not the point of that list. The point of that list is to say, here are songs that haven't been played in 1000 days or more. It doesn't matter if Dave wrote them or not. So we've got covers on there. It, nothing is subjective on our site to the greatest extent that we possibly. Which is kind of, how I, it's kind of um, how I settled on Almanac as a name, because that came about in the very beginning, it was just a book of facts. Just the facts, baby. Like, I'm a big fish fan now, but <laughs> I wasn't then. I had no idea about the Farmer's Almanac, yes. or I may have found a different name for it. But, um, but yeah, it was just book of facts, and that's it. And we may, you know, we may show a little bit of personality on Twitter or throw in some jokes here and there, like, I need a word was the first time played without Grover when he teased it at Deer Creek. <laughs> well, it was an important moment in DMB history, so you had to report on it. There are shows that I like. There are shows that I listen to that I'm like, eh, you know, it's not your best. It's not like we don't have the opinions. It's just that's not what the website is for. Like, we wanted it to be for everybody. We didn't want people to um, disagree with something. We didn't want any sort of input like we don't have any comments we don't really have a community but again that also means that we're kind of able to be our own autonomous thing because we're about facts yeah Love that. um speaking of some of the funny things we have on there uh one of the things that i love is on i, I don't know who did this i think rob this might have been you on the 2008 tour summary page if you go to it uh if you went to it in early 2008 um, it just said Tim fucking Reynolds. <laughs> and that's all it said. You know, on a lot of the years, it has this long detailed write up of, uh, uh, of what songs came back that year and, and when the tour started and all that. And this one just says, 
Tim fucking <laughs> Reynolds. Because, you know, this was the first time Tim had played with a band regularly in 10 years. Um, and, of course, we're used to that now. But that was a huge thing back in 08. Nowadays, it also has Leroy Moore added to the bottom of that. One thing that, that I put on there is on, I think it's on the show release list. I started doing this back when the show Lost was was a thing. Yes. Um, the numbers from Lost, I just have them underlined on the show list, and they're still there. Uh, <laughs> yep, four, eight, fifteen, sixteen. Where's it twenty three? Twenty three, forty two, and forty two. Yeah, so they're underlined. Never been mentioned, um, and and like, that's. I don't think anyone has ever mentioned yeah. it. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Paying attention to all of those shows is tough. But what about the ones that you don't know? So, you know, the previously unknown sets. Like, I'm looking at one right now. Stefan Lassard, um, you know, earlier this evening also tweeted out a photo from the Almanac. Well, he also tweeted out a photo of a tape, like literally a videotape. If anyone knows what a, what those are, VHS tapes, well, they used to exist. Um, and it said 11-19-91. And I looked it up on the Almanac. Set list unknown. So in this scenario, how do you guys generally get these set lists that are previously unknown? Like, where are they coming from? Well, it's like, I would love to ask to just be like, hey, hook us up with the set list, or if you don't mind, please. But at the same point in time, like, I don't know, who am I to ask Stefan to watch this videotape, write down a set list and send it to me? Um, but, you know, that that would be great. I think a lot of a lot of the older ones, you know, there's so much work being done in the community elsewhere, like um, Copperpot Five on Twitter. Like, you know, everybody everybody knows the videos that he's posting. He does so much work to 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 gather these tapes. Like, not even just the video that he posts, but the audio tapes. A lot of that a lot of that came from the Minarets list that we got, which was really nice for us because. Again, we started officially in 2002. There's not really a whole lot of insight that you can add to 1993 when you start in 2002. So, you know, I felt like a lot of some of the other sites that have been around for a long time, um, specifically, you know, Nancy's or, um, you know, I think Ants was a little bit before us as well that had a lot of this early information. We kind of felt like, yeah, I, like, I think we're killing it going forward. However, we needed to make our mark a little bit on the history of the band, as opposed to just kind of taking the history and adding stats to it. Um, and the Minarets list was like, it was definitely the big thing for us, where all of a sudden, like, I think we have the list of what we came up with, but we came up with so many new shows and so many new set lists from, like, that's how people spread set lists in 1993, was that, they went to the show and posted it to the Minarets list. And if there wasn't a taper there, that set list was mostly lost to history if it didn't end up on Nancy's or the official DMB site, which you'll notice like back in the day, got a lot of their stuff from Nancy's at some point in time, they just grabbed what Nancy's had and put it on there, whether it was accurate or not, mostly accurate, of course. Um, so that, that was kind of the big thing for us. Um, I, I wouldn't say, that, um, you know, it, in what Dan has done, Dan has uncovered lots of shows. But at this point in time, the set lists, if we're not going to like find tapes that have been buried, they have to come from the original source at some point. Um, we got 
and it was not just us, but it was Ants as well, when Live Tracks 30 came out, was the first time that we got the full set lists for all three of those Muse shows. Um, that Live Tracks 30 was a compilation of what was usable from the tapes from that because they were recording it intentionally. So not everything was there, but, um, you know, we, we got the set lists for those with ants at the same time, actually from, you know, from the management group. So, you know, it, it has to come from the source really at this point. Yeah. Rob mentioned, uh, Jason Stessel, who's a uh, copper pot. Um, he's been a huge asset to us. Uh, he's been finding a lot of tapes, from old tape collectors or maybe even old tapers who just have them in their parents' attic and, and getting them to send them to him. And then he find you know, he converts them and posts them on his SoundCloud. So he and I talk quite a bit and uh, he sends me information when he gets it. And um, sometimes he asks me for my opinion on something and I'll try to help him uh, figure out maybe what the date of something actually was based on what Dave's saying and how the, the versions of the songs sound compared to other tapes nearby, um, you know, chronologically nearby. Uh, but yeah, for the most part at this point, I always say, I think that pretty much everything that's out there we know about, but then we find some new tape that nobody's ever heard before, or, you know, hasn't in 20 years. So that's that's usually where new information comes from. I mean, it's so cool to hear about the history of of you guys and the website and how it all came together. And uh, but now I think it's time for some rapid fire uh, questions, and we're gonna get right into this. So I'm gonna start it off. All right. Favorite song and favorite album. Go. Say seek up and crash. Song album. Uh, for me, still still say goodbye in crowded streets. Love that. What is your favorite show and your favorite performance from any show? Uh, my favorite show is New Year's 96, which was released as Live Track 7. And my favorite performance from any show is The Blue Water from the Wetlands in 93 with Warren Haynes. Uh, that was released as well as Live Tracks, maybe, I don't know, 20. Ooh. Unbiased favorite show, I think, is Live Tracks 1 from Worcester. I, I think that show mm. from top to bottom, from Butch's piano solo in Sika all mm. the way through the end of the last stop, I think is a perfect show. Perfect release for Live Tracks 1. My favorite performance of all time is a little biased because it's being Say Goodbye, but Say Goodbye from Burgett's Town in 99, I think is just the perfect DMB song performance. Absolutely perfect. Everybody's on point. Dave's lyrics are amazing. Long Carter solo, intricate with Roy. That's my favorite. Love that. All right, and not sure if you guys can share this information, but do you know the member of your site that has the highest number of shows? And you don't have to say their name or anything, just just their number. What, who's been to the most shows? What is that number? Yeah, definitely, Bob. Over 200. Uh, I think it's actually... I think he just hit 200 at Deer Creek last year. So he may be at like 201 or 202. Wow. We've got to get friend of the pod, Mr. 400 plus to join the Almanac. Then uh, Michael, what are you doing? Put all of your shows on the <laughs> Almanac because he is now at four. I don't know what, but we had him on last summer after he hit his 400th. So uh, he would nearly yeah, double I that. that. I can't that even, is, I can't even imagine. It's, it's unbelievable. So 
it's crazy. It, but shout out Michael. Um, that's pretty cool. Okay, so two hundred plus. So, what's your favorite time period uh, for for the band uh, that you find yourselves revisiting the most when you're listening? For me, it's it's ninety seven to two thousand. Uh, that that is how I and I'm not. I like I like the current sound a lot. I like. I liked the acoustic, the two set tours. I like, I like a lot. Like I, I have a tendency to kind of not compare and enjoy, especially when I'm there and when I'm listening, because like, where else would you rather be? And what else would you rather be doing? But especially for me, uh, the 99 tour is my absolute wheelhouse. Uh, as I mentioned, that's when I really started going to shows. I was front row for, for a couple of those, but in the first five for most, like every show that I went to that tour, it's when I started doing the Almanac. It was like the peak obsession when you had 40 hours of spare time in your week and you spent 30 of them thinking or doing some sort of DMB related activity. You know, that that was my 99 and 2000 uh, to be there at Polaris the start of 2000 to see all the, all of the Lily white songs debut. Like, I, I don't know. Like if you were part of that, it's, they can be amazing right now. And it's still kind of hard to, to beat that. For me, I think my favorite uh, year is probably 1993. Um, I, I really like listening to those old tracks and flood, flood zone shows. Um, and uh, just, just kind of hearing the band still figuring out what exactly they were trying to be and do. Um, uh, the songs uh, these days, yeah, they still improvise, but for the most part, the songs are, are kind of the same for the tour. And then they'll maybe change the arrangement up for the next tour. But back then they were doing it much more closely to nightly. And, and that's just really fun to listen to. Okay. Do you have a favorite stat? And it could be anything from, your favorite liberation ever or just a random stat from a tour or a show or anything? I don't know. For me, it's kind of the let you down that they played in Deer Creek a couple years ago because nice. there was just no reason for it. Like if you were there, like, okay, so there was a reason for it because apparently someone mentioned it to somebody who mentioned it to Rob, who mentioned it to Dave. But if you were at that show, you had no reason to think that. And it was like all of a sudden after, what, 22 years, I'm seeing this song, which, you know, it's, it's okay. It's a perfectly fine song, but it was a big deal that he played like two minutes of it, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know. That was a big deal. For me, I think, uh, I don't know if it's, if it's necessarily <laughs> that's, a that's stat hilarious. per se, but I remember in 2000 two maybe um maybe it was a three i remember looking at the set list from the show and seeing dancing nancy's and it was the first time they had played yeah. it in over a year and that was crazy at the time that that it had been over a year since a song was played and um you know that was a big deal and so now 20 years later that's nothing for a song to go with for a year because there are just so many more songs now. It's just the math doesn't let that be anything other than normal. Um, and so <laughs> I, I think that's, that might be one of my favorite little 
stats. Also, kind of the same time period, Pig, uh, Pig making its debut or its re-debut at at, uh, the DC show in spring of 02. That was insane that that song came back. But when you look at it now, that absence was nothing compared to what a lot of songs have have been like in the time since then. (laughs) Especially the pig, that was kind of a big deal. That was like a turning of the page. Yeah, tons of teases of pig back then too. Um, Just a bunch of, yep, not going to play it, not going to play it. Um, All right, a couple more before we... we move on and get to other things. But um, what do you guys enjoy most about running the Almanac? You know, just something brief, quickly, just boom, this is what I enjoy the most. Uh, song times. Um, I I enjoy the fact that it <laughs> it's, it's, it's this silly little thing that started out as something that uh, I just wanted a place where I could look up things that I personally would want to look up that other people like using as well. I don't know if you heard me, but I said song times. <laughs> perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> uh, what's something people don't know about the Almanac that you want them to know about the Almanac? We're not affiliated with a band at all. Um, I think most people know that, but <laughs> we get emails every now and then that are just so bizarre. Um and I save them all, and I and I mark them as, as like weird. Yeah, we do get song play requests. I, That's awesome. I think I think for me, it's that it's kind of this mm-hmm. second life that I have, where I can talk to people that I work with who have absolutely no idea that this is a thing, <laughs> and it's kind of surprising when when I talk about it for the first time. Definitely get that. It's like. Like my job is kind of in like as a technology consultant, which, you know, it has nothing to do with anything like this. And then every now and then you're just like, oh, like you just kind of talk about like your hobbies. You know, it's what you do. Um, so to kind of bring this up and it's always kind of uh, kind of the complete opposite of, of what I do during the day. So I, I like that. That's awesome. Um, all right. So. Before we move on, we're going to go ahead and end this portion of the episode, and we're going to come back very shortly with another episode with these guys um, with something very special. But before we move on, we want to thank you on behalf of all the DMB fans, um, because whether truly they know it or not, your site has benefited them in one way or another over all these years. Um, And you know, from the site side and from us discussing that here before we go to our episode discussing our show that you guys chose um i'm going to thank you for all dmb fans and for the band because sometimes obviously it appears that you guys keep them in check as well yes thanks you guys thank you yeah thanks so much i appreciate it love to do this again
I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now on Evergreen and wherever you get your podcasts.